a good move. Why'd you dance him? Dancing is forbidden. Yoo-hoo, running crew, welcome to Dancing is Forbidden, an Aqua Teen Hunger Force exploration. I am Ronnie, and today we are joined by a very special guest. We are talking to Ned Hastings, Aqua Teen's longtime producer and editor. You may recognize Ned from his voice work on the show as well, such as our host, Ned Hastings, in the episode Super Trivia. He plays Dan, a.k.a. the Grim Reaper in Grim Reaper Gutters, and a bunch of other characters. You may also recognize him as somebody I've mentioned about 10 million times on this podcast. Such a thrill to talk to Ned. He's somebody who's so important to Aqua Teen. He's edited on a bunch of just fan-favorite episodes, some of the highest-rated episodes. And if you're unfamiliar, the editors on an episode of Aqua Teen, in a way, are like the directors. They're the ones who make a lot of the pacing decisions and just how the story kind of unfolds. Of course, they work alongside Matt and Dave, but Ned, he's put so much of himself into the show, and the show is as great as it is because of him, so it's such a thrill to get to talk to him today. Some of the topics that we're getting into here include working on the Rabot episode while Aqua Teen was just an inkling of an idea. Ned also tells us about working on Mayhem of the Moon and Knights and setting the pace of how the Moon and Knights interact. And of course, as we all know, the Moon and Knights went on to be kind of the mascots of Aqua Teen outside of the main characters. Ned's also telling us about some of the production on Aqua Teen Forever Plantasm, Aqua Teen's latest film. Ned was the lead editor on that one, so of course, love hearing what he has to say about that. And we're even talking a bit about the upcoming season of Aqua Teen. We're getting into the production changes from this upcoming season to how Aqua Teen was done in the past. Typically, an episode of Aqua Teen, the editors, they put together an animatic which serves as a storyboard and gives the animators just a, a guide map to how to make the episode. Well, they're storyboarding the show now, and that is done by the animation company. So we're getting Ned's insights on all of that and so much more. It's such a pleasure to talk to Ned and learn more about him. Again, somebody super important to the show. Before we dive in, I gotta let you know where you can find Ned. He's over on Instagram at TheRealNedH. And you can find him on Twitter at Hastings underscore Ned. Both of these links in the description. Give him a follow. Reach out and say hi if there's anything you like in this conversation. Why don't you let him know? So, hey, here's an idea. Let's go ask Ned some questions, huh? The upcoming season of Aqua Teen, my understanding is, has some similarities to the production process of Plantasm in that you guys are storyboarding it. Is that correct? Yes, it is being storyboarded. We, uh, I'm not storyboarding it. The animators are storyboarding it. Right. As opposed to typically... As the editor, you guys would make an animatic, which kind of served as a storyboard. Right. But now you guys have the the um, animation company right. doing it for you. So I was yes. just I wanted to get your opinion on that. Like, how do you think that worked for these five episodes? Do you think it was better than the previous process? Do you prefer the animatic side of things? Just whatever you have to say about that. Selfishly, I like the animatic version of things because that just 
gives me more time to tell the story the way I would like to see it told. Not that my versions are what ends up being done, but I'm in the conversation. I'm starting the conversation at that point rather than jumping in on the conversation and saying, well, let's fix this or let's change that. Or how about if we do it this way? Mm -hmm. It's a tricky question. I do like making animatics. Uh, I do like that aspect of things and kind of the problem solving and how do we, how do we get from point A to point B? And if, if master shake is standing here, how does he get over there for this thing to happen? And how do we, you know, all those kinds of, intricate sort of what I call blocking or what they would call in the theater blocking um, for the final product. Um, I think it's a great way to, to do it. I think it's a great process. The new process um, we were getting these, these, the animatics from the animators and then we're able to jump in and say, Hey, you know, right here, maybe it would work better if, they were standing a little bit closer and then that way the, the quote camera unquote can get in a little bit closer. Or, you know, I really feel like right here uh, we've got it mapped out as you see Frylock's shake face. And then you see the other character's face. And then you see Fry- maybe for this last bit, you see both of them at the same time, those kinds of things that, I mean, f- frankly, we're always doing that. I mean, y- you know, uh, if, if another editor has done an animatic, I'm, going to still give him the same input, you know, or if I've done an animatic, I'm going to get that input from another editor or from Dave or Matt. So um, ultimately it doesn't make a big difference in terms of the final outcome. As far as I'm concerned, Uh, I'm sure there are reasons that Dave and Matt prefer it. They may have a list of pros and cons, uh, but nevertheless, it's a different process but I think it's a fine, it's a fine process and it, and it works well. And it's certainly more in line with, I think, the way that the industry at large works. Do you anticipate that you guys would be using storyboards if Aqua Teen got brought back for more seasons? Uh, I would imagine so, um, but I, I don't know for sure. Right. Um, I, I will say um, that the, the biggest difference, I think, for me is just there's a bit of a learning curve because the, the an, our animators that we've worked with are not used to the storyboarding process. Um, they're used to getting the animatics and then going in, 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 and animating. I, I don't mean this, that in the sense of they don't know what they're doing. I mean <laughs> sure. in the sense of that, you know, there are certain kind of visual conventions to the way we tell an Aqua Teen story that took Jay Edwards and me and Phil Sampson and John Breston in the early days, this was, you know, these were their first editors. Mm-hmm. It took us a few years to kind of codify and work out and see what does and what doesn't work and what, you know, what helps and what doesn't help. And really Jay kind of set the template and we've all been kind of, you know, working from his recipe. And, and that's just something that's now kind of so in our, DNA when we come to, to start, start setting up the visuals of an episode yeah. that, you know, it, ta- it, it takes a little bit of learning curve and, and we switched animation studios from the movie to the, to the series. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of had to, we had to start to start over again. Right. Um, and, and again, these animators have been working on the show all along too. So I'm not implying that they don't know how to tell the stories because they obviously do. Yes. There's yeah. just little things that, you know, that, we've decided years ago, I mean, people probably may not even notice, but you know, 
the chair in the living room. It's there and it's not there. Yes. It's, yeah, I talk about that a lot on the podcast. <laughs> sometimes it's right next to the TV and sometimes it's a few feet away from the TV. And that's yeah. literally just because that's where we need it to be. Mm-hmm. And I like, that was something I noticed like right away that I, I told the animators. I was like, guys, don't worry about the chair. Just, just, just. <laughs> move it wherever you need it. They're like, well, you know, and you could, and I didn't have to tell, I didn't have to ask them, Hey, why did you set this up this way? Because I'm looking at going, Oh, they're worried about the chair. They're trying to get around the chair. And, yeah. and, and, and you can just look and see, you know, uh, and I just told them, I remember that was a note. I was like, Hey, it looks like you guys might be just kind of blocking everything up so that nobody bumps into the chair. I'm like, why don't you just move the chair, make the chair smaller and push it toward the kitchen or take the chair out or, put the chair in front of the TV and then put meatwad in front of the chair and then put shake there and then you're good. And, and, and this is just those things that we kind of years ago. And that was probably a conversation where I was just like, where Dave Willis was like, why is it set up this way? I'm like, because of the chair. And he's like, screw the chair, move the chair. <laughs> oh, we can do that. Okay. Oh, that's right. These guys died at the end of the last episode. Nobody cares where the goddamn chair is for you. Cause like my, my understanding for you guys as editors is like, kind of a main thing that you would have done is the animatic and kind of setting the the pacing of the episode and things like that. So for you now, like what more are you guys doing now? Like what was your day-to-day more like for these five episodes? Well, I mean, truthfully, I'll back you up just a little bit because the first thing always out of the gate is the audio. Right, yeah. Um, and um, we get the... Yeah, the voices are each recorded separately. If Dave and Matt get a an idea in the booth with the actor with Dana, and they'll say, "Hey, say it like this," or Dana will say something, and Dana will, you know, kind of ad lib a little something, and they'll think that's really funny, and then they'll throw a line at him, and then he'll respond to that, and and and, and suddenly they've gone off on this kind of a tangent, and uh, David has this. Um, uh, I mean, I say Dave, it's really Dave and Matt, but then when Dave goes in to record as Meatwater Carl, he will remember, well, Dana went off on a tangent in this scene that was hilarious. And now I'm going to do record some stuff to play off of that or to spur him on, or I'm going to say as Meatwad, what I said as Dave, when Dana was recording. So then when I get the audio, I've got a script that's, 20 pages for 11 <laughs> minutes and uh and 25 minutes worth of ad you know play, mm-hmm. pages plus ad lib um i'm falling this trap every time I, I i i talk about what i do when i say i i'm i am talking about me but i'm also talking about when it was jay or when it was phil samson or john breston or uh in on squidbillies it was it was jeff defalk and nick Gibbons and sometimes Nikki Katana, we're all doing the same thing. So I don't mean to imply that it's only me. And and I want to be clear about that because I, every time I listen to myself later, I'm like, wow, Ned, that's a great show you made by yourself. Um, so we get that audio and we start building. And um, I don't, I don't know how everyone else does it, but the way I do it is if I see that tangent, I just build it and I just put it together and you know audio tangents that they go on and i just i just build that and i try to find a way to build it and then loop back to the show uh, as as originally written sometimes they'll go they'll go to a place where i can't come back from I, i'm like if i go down this road i can't use it i can't 
there's no way to get to the, through that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, if the scene is written, you know, A, B, C, D, but there's a big tributary off of B and I can't get back to C, then I sometimes won't screw with it. But I'll, but, but especially if they've given it a lot of time in the booth, I'm like, okay, they must like this comedic idea. Mm-hmm. So I can't take it for granted that I can't play with it. So I've got to give it its day in court. um and and sometimes they're like yeah that that doesn't work that didn't go anywhere we need to get we need to keep moving or we need to get to see uh just go just go back to the way it was written and because they always get the line as written Mm -hmm. but anyway we're building the audio meaning we're not just building the dialogue but we're we're putting in some sound effects and we're picking music at that point usually and because I, I, for me, at least I want Dave and Matt to like enter that sort of theater of the mind when they hear that first radio play. I, I want it to work without visuals. Um, and, and even if there's something that's a purely visual moment, sometimes I will just totally kind of skip it. Um, and not really give it a lot of do because I can't, you know, because there's no visual, but I would still drop in a sound effect to signify, okay, this is where they leave the room or this is where, shake jumps out of the chair or this is, you know, some sound effect or some piece of music to kind of give it a little bit of its own moment. And even if we end up building it bigger later, once there's visuals, the reason I'm going in down this road is because that's still a constant, whether, you know, because we're either, we're handing that now to the animators and they're using that as their, their bedrock that they start their work on. Mm-hmm. Um, and and th- this jumps back into another idea of, um, and I tell people this all the time, like if, you've, if you're doing the, if you're putting video on my audio and this happened a lot with, this happened a lot with the show. Um, sometimes there were seasons or, or uh, runs of shows where I would do the, do an audio pass and, and get, and then, and work and get notes and get it down to time or whatever, and then just hand it off to another editor and didn't grab the next show. Um, it's, it's not unusual for me at least to, to have that happen, happened a lot with squidbillies for varieties of reasons. Um, and it still happens with aqua teen. And I love that aspect of the show. I, I really, really do love the audio. I love it. It's so much fun to me to take two pieces of audio that were recorded by two different people in two different places at two different times and meld them in a way that sounds like they're talking not just to each other, but on top of each other. Mm-hmm. And, 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 oh, you know, it, it's like, just, it, it sounds like an absolutely naturalistic piece of audio. Um, it makes me laugh every time. And they don't even have to be saying something funny. If, if it, if it, if the timing works of somebody saying something and somebody else jumping on top of them, which of course master shake does to everyone because he's a jerk. Yeah. Um, that's funny to me. Um, I always say the thing about aqua Teen that's, Interesting. Again, this is a Jay Edwards template and Dave and Matt, because it, it came to me already like this. Their sound effects that they picked for the first few episodes were just normal sound effects. They were just doorknobs and slams and thumps and and there's no cartoon effects. There's no boing, 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 boing. There's mm-hmm. nothing funny about the sound effects. Uh, they're just they're real sound. I hear them in car- I hear them on commercials. I hear them in TV shows. I hear them in movies. The same doors that we use. I hear them all the time. And likewise, the music. You know, we don't pick silly music. We pick music that that if you were making the Sopranos, you would pick the, for that scene. And that's why it's funny because 
this isn't the Sopranos. Right. This is a happy meal living in a rented house in New Jersey. <laughs> yeah. And and so the more real we can make the sound effects, the more real we can make the music, and the more real we can make the dialogue, mm-hmm. the funnier it is. Yeah, you know, because it's just it takes itself so seriously, but right. it, but that's the joke. Well, same thing like with Bob's backgrounds or his props that were like photoreal. They weren't wacky or silly, really. It's just right. like everything is normal except for these right. characters. Yeah. The only thing that's funny about the Aqua Teen house is that it really, really does look like a crappy house. It, it sucks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It looks like a shitty, the way any shitty house would look in a show about it, people living in a shitty house. Yeah. And that's funny. Yeah. Uh, which again is, uh, you know, uh, which gets back to why the whole conversation about the chair <laughs> is, is is a valid conversation because it's right. like, well, now we we're, if we're taking this seriously, then you know, what can we cheat and what can we not cheat? Mm. You know, and that's that's where we cheat the chair. Right. <laughs> right. Just yeah, these these little uh, these little objects in the world that aren't consistent, but I guess right. on their own though they're not immediately absurd looking or anything like that but the way that they are used might be absurd yeah (laughs) uh, both in the storytelling and uh by the characters and like you said we would get we would get the art from bob hey we got backgrounds come from bob today we get them and just be like oh my god this is hysterical because it just looks so real you know (laughs) and i mean that you know the 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 trivia game that just looks like every bar where everyone ever played trivia yes um yeah it's 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 funny you know that's just funny well, Ned, my understanding is that you are an Atlanta native. Is this correct? Mm-hmm. I am. So, so b- born and raised. Yes, my uh, my grandfather moved to Atlanta in 1906 from a tiny town in Middle Georgia. Um, he had never seen a paved street before. Uh, he was like three years old. So he grew up here, lived here his whole life, and then my mom was born here, and uh, and I. And my siblings were all born here. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. It's always interesting to see which of you guys are from Georgia and which of you guys uh, fled to Georgia in the case of Jay Edwards. (laughs) That's that's how he (laughs) describes it. Yeah. And, you know, people, it's funny because I'll, I'll meet people, even people I've worked with and they'll say, so you've never left? And I was, and I'm always like, well, no, why would I leave? You came here. People come here. Why yeah, would why? I, yeah. <laughs> you're not from here and you're here. Why would I go somewhere else to just not be from here? Really? You stayed at the same place that I went to? That's <laughs> exactly. Nuts, no one ever, no one ever says that to someone in New York. No, so you're a native New Yorker and you never left, Woody? You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and I never, I, and I always say I never needed to. I never had to. I, I did go away to college, but I didn't go far. I went to University of Georgia, and that was a great place to study what I wanted to study. Mm-hmm. And then I came back here, and here was, you know, not only do we have the local affiliates that, you know, that every town has, but then we had Turner Broadcasting sitting there making mm-hmm. stuff that's seen all over the world. And Right, right. Well, to take a step back from that, though, you uh, graduated with a major in radio, television, and film production. Right. And I'm curious, what led you to that? Did you go to college instantly wanting to do that, or did you find that major like while you were there? Um, I more or less found it while I was there. Um, I did. I graduated high school really already fascinated by movies and just convinced that they were just a fantastic, that was a fantastic art form. Mm-hmm. 
but again, with a really, really, you know, <laughs> video store and mall theater idea of what movies are. <laughs> well, what kind of movies did you like at the time? Do you remember? I mean, I'm not going to say that I was like watching, you know, foreign films when I started college. I was, you know, the same thing everybody was watching. I, I like most people my age, I saw Star Wars when I was 10 years old and was like just absolutely enraptured and thought it was the most fascinating movie in the history of the world. And then, uh, and I do tell people this, that uh, I told the story before, you know, because Star Wars was so huge and it was such a big thing and it was just everywhere. And I can't remember which network it was. It may have been PBS. It had a show on the making of Star Wars. And those just didn't exist back then. You didn't, nobody had, nobody did that. You didn't, you didn't get that. But somebody thought it was, you know, interesting enough to make it. And, and so there I am 11 years old and watching how, how it's, you're basically backstage at the magic show. You're watching how the tricks are made. You're watching how they fool you into thinking you've seen what you've just seen. Mm-hmm. And it didn't ruin it for me. It, right. it, it made it better. Yes. And, yeah. and there were, I think that was a moment where I went, okay, this might be just something I'm really interested in besides just wanting to be entertained by the movie itself. I really was fascinated by every aspect of, of how it was made. And then that bled over into other movies too, and just the whole process. And so literally though, as far as my major, I think when I took the SATs, they have a thing at a little checklist at the end. They're like, what are you interested in? And I saw the word communications and said, well, I don't know what that means, but God knows I love to talk. So I'm going to just click on that. I mean, literally, I think that was what I, <laughs> not literally those word for word, but that was my brain just thinking, well, I'm good at communicating. I knew that I was, I, I knew that at that point in my life. And um, so I just checked on that and just went on about my day. And then, you know, it applied to colleges and I got the acceptance from UGA, which was the biggest of the colleges I applied to. You've been accepted to University of Georgia in the pre-journalism program. And I said, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. (laughs) Pre-journalism? All right. Whatever. That sounds good. I'll do that. I wanted in to college and that sounded about right to me. And then, and then honestly, when I took that film class, I mentioned earlier, uh, I, I, my first quarter that did sort of kind of go, okay, this is something people study. This is something people learn about in college and then turn around and take into the world. Those kinds of classes, like those sort of film studies courses were all in the drama department. Um, there wasn't many of them, but I took all of them. And so I, I, I got a drama minor because I used all those courses to toward my, my minor studies. And then I did some like the sort of intro classes, like stage lighting and theater design and all, and took even, even a couple of little acting classes that were not like acting classes out in the real world, like just a college class mm-hmm. where we did, where they talked about acting that, that the drama kids were, that was their class. Right. You know, but for me it was my minor and, but it was valuable. Um, by that time I, I just thought everything was valuable that I was, you know, that I wouldn't end up using it somewhere. Um, but so uh, in the journalism college at, U- at university of Georgia, they have several different, kind of breakout studies. Um, They had magazines, they had print journalism, they had TV news, 
And then they had just this sort of blanket radio TV film production. And that was what I, by that time, that's what I knew I wanted to be getting into. So I took mm. those classes. So those were the hands-on sort of production classes and where you learn the, the fundamentals of editing and camera work and things like that. My first job at Turner Broadcasting was in the home video division. It was called Turner Home Entertainment. And we were basically just making TV spots and promos and things like that. And in those days, I was a writer producer. And in those days, you would, you would write your script, you would hone it, you would get your tapes together and that, that you knew you wanted to use as your video. And you would go to another place and sit with an editor. And these guys were, that was their, that was what they did. That was their job. They were fantastic. They were smart. Mm-hmm. They understood all the technical stuff. They were creative. Uh, I, I loved those people. And I loved those, those were, those were the good days, the days when you could have your, go into the session and sit with an editor and jam it together. But we also, that was, and that was our main job was just like promos and things like that. But mm-hmm. we did have, my boss was out there getting us jobs, making documentaries, like these sort of making of documentaries that are now, again, every time you get a DVD or, you know, sometimes now they're streaming the extras of a DVD, it's all on there. But in these days, this was VHS and it was still kind of a new thing. And it was just basically a way to say, how can we sell, you know, Casablanca one more time on VHS? (laughs) Well, we'll repackage it and we'll put this documentary on it. And it was actually, that was literally Casablanca was the first thing I worked on. It was a, a 50th anniversary documentary. And we had an avid uh, to make these things with. And avid at that point was still very rudimentary. You were making it, you were cutting it in the avid, and then you would get what they called an EDL, an edit decision list, and you would print it out and then take it to one of those editors I just described, and they would follow the directions of the EDL and 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 put it together. Um, that was the first introduction to that sort of nonlinear idea of editing. So yeah, I and 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 then um, I learned how to do that just because we were making these documentaries in the office, and we were working on them every day. And uh, this, uh, uh, the other writer producer I worked with, this guy named Rick Dasher, and, and he really was the avid guy. And then he left to become an editor uh, at a, at one of these post houses, like I described earlier. And then I kind of jumped into the chair and kind of started being the avid guy. And then. I went on my own for a few years and because I had been a writer producer and an editor, um, I basically build myself as a two for one, you know, you don't have to sit in the room with me because I'm already a producer. I've already sat in the room with the editor. Mm -hmm. So give me your tapes, give me your scripts, go away, come back in a week and it'll, and, and it'll be good. Um, and I got up to the good part and then they came back and fixed it. Um, but, and, and that was kind of what I did for like four or five years. And that was how I fell in with adult swim. They were still making space ghost then. And I knew a guy who owned a, a production house, a post house, and they owned an avid, but they didn't have an editor. And he said, we've been trying to get cartoon network to come over here to make space ghost because we hear it takes them like six or eight weeks to make an episode of space ghost in avid and we have an avid that no one is using so um if we can get them to come will you come in and be the editor 
And, and I was like, absolutely. And so I had to do like a test with, with the people that later became adult swim, but with, with cartoon network, they did, they sent out an edit test and it was a nice setup because they didn't have the job without me. And I didn't have the job without them, the, the post house. Um, you know, they had, they, they rented their machine for, you know, X number of dollars a day for eight weeks. And I got paid X number of dollar days for eight, eight, eight weeks. And, um, and then that actually turned into probably eight more weeks. Cause as soon as that process was done, they, they threw something else at me and kind of snowballed from there. So, okay. So, so you were there kind of working on these, but then I know in, in 99 is when you started working on space ghost a little bit, but you were kind of like a freelance editor or no yeah what happened was uh when turner merged with time warner in the mid 90s time warner already had a home video division and so turner's home video division we all got laid off sure okay so that was when i went off as a freelancer and 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 that was when i started you know like i said earlier selling myself as this this Mm -hmm. producing editor um and so then i was making like I worked at the local PBS station. I made some documentaries for those guys. Uh, I got in, fell in with this production company in town that was making like training videos and things like that. And I was, so I was making those. Um, and then I had this Space Ghost, the first Space Ghost call I got. Um, and that, I did that for whatever, eight weeks or 10 weeks, and then didn't hear from them for another year. Mm. Uh, and just went <laughs> off and did my other stuff. And then literally it was a year later, like to the day from the first call I got, it was like, well, the leaves are changing and they want me to come make space ghost again. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, so then I came back and did the, the first space ghost episode I tried to work on. Never. I, I, it did get made. It was the Stephen Wright one, right? Yeah. And yeah. that was, um, they had kind of an, uh, an experimental, uh, approach to that one. It was going to be sort of a different background. And- yeah. Well, just to fill listeners in basically, I, cause I, I, I watched that one years ago. I think it's like space ghost is having dinner yeah. with Steven, Wright, And yeah. like, so it's, yeah, like the setup is a little bit different, but when you worked on that, were you, were you familiar with space ghost in 1999? Had you, yes. had you seen it yet? Okay. Oh yeah. So were you sure. excited to get in on that? Yeah. Yeah, because the, as soon as that show hit the air, we were all watching it and all knew what it was. And it was just fascinating to us and just the weirdest thing on TV. And it was just it was just one of those cultural flash pan moments where it was like, have you seen this thing? Have you t- this is insane. And, and it, you know, it helped. You had to you had to have seen it to know how it worked and <laughs> yeah. understand that bizarre timing. And that's fun. It's like, okay, let's see if I can do what they've done. You know, let's see if I can, mm-hmm. you know, mimic their style. Um, and, and um, my dinner with Steven was tricky though. The, with Space Ghost, you know, they, they rotoscoped him out of the cartoons. They went into the cartoons and cut him out. And so he's over a black background in those days to, in order to, to do the video, you also needed a mat. So it's a black background with a white cut out. What they did was they took those little pieces of, sometimes they were just little five, six, eight second snippets of video from the cartoon. And they took it and they actually married it to that background, that space goes set. And if he's moving his mouth, they would like run it two or three times. And then they were, and it would just, 
it's like you would get this piece of video that was space ghost in front of a background and he would move his mouth forward. He would move his, they would, they did, then they did it backward and then they froze each of the vowel sounds or the, the, and that was what you would use to cut it together to, to make him live in this show Mm -hmm. with my dinner with Steven, because it wasn't already pre-married to the background. It was just those little five, six second quickie clips so it was a really difficult thing for to do. It was a really difficult thing for uh, a new editor to do because I didn't have the advantage of those pre-made backgrounds, and and um, and I was trying to learn how to do it. Um, and I, I think basically that show, I haven't watched it in a long time. Um, I assume the audio at least is okay. <laughs> yeah, on that ep- yeah, I don't think the I don't think the visuals ever got finished no they didn't they ended up kind of scrapping the whole script matt harrigan wrote it and he ended up leaving and i think they just retooled it It, it, there is a stephen wright episode Mm. um but it's not that script they are you a stephen wright fan were you like excited to work on an episode he was on yeah yeah absolutely um yes no so i mean you know i wasn't ready for that um <laughs> i mean it sounds like a difficult one to get thrown into as well compared to a more uh simple space ghost episode yeah yeah and 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 it was my first thing doing any animation too mm-hmm. so um and again i'm not an animator i'm an editor and that's the way that show works it's made by editing pre-made animation you cut it together um so that was new to me too i was used to cutting live action um and uh, it just was a different animal altogether. And so I'm, I'm not surprised it took them a year to say, all right, let's try him again. <laughs> well, so is the next episode you came back on, is that the fire ant one? Yeah. Okay. So that, so were you a Conan O'Brien fan for that one? You know what? I, I don't know that I was, Okay. I don't, um, I was so out of watching late night. Mm-hmm interview tv by that point i don't know that i had ever even seen his show to be honest with you um i just realized i have to send a text so i'm going to be texting and talking at the same time america (laughs) i've been texting this whole time so you're fine i know well don't like i didn't notice please all right well while we're texting let me ask you this so you were working on space ghost but in 2000, you are brought on to work on what becomes Rabot. And you're the first editor to touch that even before Jay Edwards does, right? Um, yes. Uh, yeah. Um, a qualified yes. Uh, I, I was basically after Fire Ant, then that flowed into Space Ghost. Was a, Donnie and Marie Osmond had a talk show in the 90s. Yeah. And they had Space Ghost as a guest. What do you do in your spare time? I like to use my spare time eating spare ribs. <laughs> Go on. You're very handsome, uh, Space Ghost. Are you married? Yes, I'm married to a little lady named Liberty. Statue? Not the statue. Oh. That statue's huge. Now, continue with your line of questioning. And so... Dave and 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 I think by that I I don't know for sure. I think at that time Dave and Matt were already a team. Dave and Matt I think wrote Fire Ant, so they were kind of at that point now the shepherds of the Space Ghost uh, machine, and uh, which is a 
completely terrible thing I just said. Anyway, um, <laughs> they wrote this script, and and it was funny because if you think about it, it's it was literally the inverse of the Space Ghost show, where the Space Ghost show is you go do the interview and then you write the space ghost half and you make the other person being interviewed look like a fool by cutting up what they said and taking it out of context and re you know, reconstituting it as a show. This was the opposite of that. This was pre-made space ghosts with pre-cut answers and you give them the questions and they ask the question and then roll the tape on the answer. And it was like this weird inverse of now it's a live action person interviewing a pre-made cartoon. Um, and, uh, but I will say it's on YouTube and man, Donnie and Marie were pros because that it, it's, they're asking the questions, but it sounds like they're coming up with them off the top of their head and they're not. And whoever their tape op was, man, he was ready there. He's hitting that button and it, and it plays and it's really, and they sing with him at one point. Feel free to join in at any time. Okay. We'll join you. All right. Here we go. <clears throat> I like bananas because they have no bones. Do Macaulay Culkin starred in Home Alone. He very young. If your dog has tartar, go get him some of those little doggy bones. That doggy yeah. breath. If you got something, something, something rhymes with bones. Bones, uh, bones. For eight bucks, call a psychic friend on the telephone. Just call home. If you're going deaf, the doctor makes you listen to tones. They sing backup behind because Space Ghost was doing out uh, doing CDs at that time, and it, it's really funny. It's on YouTube, but uh, that that literally, I finished Fire Ant, and then they were like, "Hey, we want you to do this." And then Dave came in and sat with me, and we chopped this together. And 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 I don't, I feel like there's maybe a little bit of a gap there where I went off and did something else. And sure. Then, and then at that point, uh, they were bringing me in for various things. Um, I had been in the building it for off and on for a couple of years at that point. And Dave and Matt came in, they said, Hey, we've got this thing we we've written. Um, we want to just kind of chop this together and, you know, audio and we'll draw some storyboards and we'll drop that on like not animated storyboards, like literally just freeze frame storyboards. Mm -hmm. And we just wanted to show it to Lazo to, to see what he thinks. So yes, that was that was Rabot. It was originally like 23 minutes long. Space Ghost was in it because it was definitely designed as sort of a spin-off of Space Ghost, the space or taking place in the same Space Ghost kind of shared universe. <laughs> and I, I honestly I think Dave and Matt just put Space Ghost in it because they thought that would, you know, please Mike. Right, sure. That's my impression. And he's only in the opening scene. Um the opening scene was this really brutal, <laughs> uh, just the, the idea of Rabot was that he was a, a robot of a rabbit so that then Dr. Weird could test products on it <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> instead of using a live rabbit. Yeah, yeah. And so it's just like, now take that hairspray and spray it directly in his eyes. <laughs> And there's all these scientists gathered around to see this, which is why he says, gentlemen, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and Space Ghost is in the room. Mm -hmm. And he's like, poke, poke him with a stick. <laughs> Throw a badger in there. Now poke the badger. And so there I am with just like these like chimpanzees sound effects just yes. screaming. <laughs> and, you know, um, so, uh, yeah, and, and I will say, um, and, you know, Dave and Matt went and, and they pulled a bunch of sound effects and they pulled a bunch of music and 
we had a bunch of different choices for that Dr. Weird theme. Mm -hmm. And that was where that was chosen at that moment. Um, They handed me some uh, video from um, Johnny Quest and said, you know, there's a castle, use that castle. And that'll be the Dr. Weird castle. So the, the, the wide shot of Dr. Weird's castle is a castle like in Tibet, or not even a castle. It's like some Tibetan monastery in an episode of Space of, of uh, Johnny Quest. And, but then the close-up shot, they did some new Johnny Quest in like the, the, the 80s. And that's from one of the new Johnny Quests. And it's like, it's like a, a mental institution. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but they kind of match together and, and they're raining in both shots. And so uh, that's what we used. Those were in there. That piece of music was in there. Uh, of course, Clay as Dr. Weird. And and and, I, and um, Steve was in the scene. I can't remember what Steve was doing. but um, uh, and, and Space Ghost was in the scene. But that was the only scene that had Space Ghost. And I think Dave and Matt were literally like, we're going to put Space Ghost in this, but we're going to get rid of him quickly. I really don't even know how much of what I cut that's in. I think a little bit of the audio that I cut okay. kind of has survived. Um, um that's that's in the the final episode i think you know because it's like if you've got a 20 minute script that you've cut down to 11 minutes there's going to be some snippets here and there mm-hmm. that are just you know that were always there um and so i do think that there's a little bit of audio in the final episode that might be from that original cut well so you were working on it why did uh, you get taken off of it at some point was it just kind of falling through or something or no i think honestly uh it's not even a question of me being taken off i think i just i worked on it worked on it and got it to where they were ready to show it to 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 lazo and then i went off and just you know those things you never know what's gonna come of it you know uh, i worked on it and got it to where dave and matt were happy with it and then i was a freelancer so I probably already had another gig lined up and just went off and did that. I don't, I, I would not say it was a question of being taken off of it. Um, it's just when it then came time to, to, to pick it back up, they picked it back up with Jay. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and I remember talking to Dave and I actually, I took a job for a while at this company in town doing news segments. And I worked there for like six months and every now and then I'd hear from Dave, hey, man, uh, we're moving forward with this thing. We're just kind of getting some stuff nailed down. We'll let you know. And I ended up quitting that job a- a- after like six months and called Dave. And I was like, so what's going on? He's like, actually, I'm glad you called. We're ready to roll in like to give us two weeks. And I'm like, perfect. And that was um, by that time, that was when Adult Swim was starting. Right. Um, and so the idea was that Lazo was going to, instead of doing an ep- a season of Space Ghost, you know, 12 episodes of Space Ghost, they were like, well, we'll do six episodes of Aqua Teen and six episodes of Space Ghost. And Dave and Matt called me in to work on the Space Ghost episodes while mm-hmm. Jay was doing the Aqua mm-hmm. Teen. At that point, Rabbit was done and had already aired and they were already, they were wrapping up uh, Leprocopolis. Mm-hmm. And then I came in and, and was working on I uh, did the um, Tom York and Bjork. Yeah, knifing around. That's I have to say, that's probably my favorite episode of television, like in general. <laughs> I just think that's like the craziest thing it's in amazing. the world. That yeah. like, like like if you know who Tom York and Bjork are and yeah. Space Ghost, and you see that thing, it's like, how does this exist? Like, how is this a thing? That's just it's so great. <laughs> it's it is, it is a fun episode. Thank you, Maltard. Hey, honey, how are you? 
Do you like sulfur? Sulfur? Sulfur's my favorite food, honey. You know that. Is that why you called me? Yeah. Oh, great. Can I sing in Icelandic? Uh, not now, honey, please. I'm, I'm right in the middle of a, um, giant space war. I... I enjoy talking to you. Uh, yes, you do, but like I said, this uh, space war, what can I do? Aliens. And I can't remember if that was the first one I did when I... Because now I'm trying to remember what else I did that season. Was that the same season as today? I guess that was the same season as Tenacious D. Yeah, uh, Sweet for Brack. Yeah, because, because, again, they had just found out that Brack gets his own show. Because the, <laughs> the Brack show was right, one of the... Sure, sure. Brack's got his own show now, but Space Ghost's just bitching about Brack. <laughs> Sweet for Brack. <laughs> Space Ghost trashes Brack, and then we cut to Brack going, What? <laughs> um... And of course, there's some cross pollination there. The other thing is there, uh, in terms of who's working on what, I'm, I'm sure Jay jumped on those Space Ghost shows to fix my mistakes, and I'm sure I was given the. Uh, I know I worked on the first uh, Moon and Nights episode, mm-hmm. uh, doing the just the audio, and then which that may have been, yeah, that was the first one I worked on. Um, I did the audio for for the Moon and Nights, which was actually really tricky because. That Moon and I interaction style, that that idea of having, you know, Enignox say it one way and then er just scream it, you know, a different thing. Yeah. That wasn't on paper, that mm. that we kind of we kind of had to work that out. Um, and, and my memory of it is in the script, Enignoc basically just repeated everything and or, or, or repeated everything in, in a different said. way. Yeah. No, initially he repeated it oh. verbatim. Okay, I see. And and I remember just thinking, well, this is I don't why is he doing this? And I think I, I and 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 it wasn't like they weren't supposed to talk at the same time. It was one would talk and the other would just kind of say the second half of the sentence and repeat it. And it was just kind of like a, an echo. Mm-hmm. And then, but because Matt, who does the voice of Ur, is a really funny ad libber and really funny at taking something that's very elaborate and then just boiling it down to just some just scream idea <laughs> yeah, yeah. then i was like well that's that's funny mm-hmm. um and so at some point we just figured out well why doesn't er just it's like he's repeating what Ignac said but it's the impolite rude version of it it's the it's the you know if er takes if Ignac takes 20 words to insult you er's just gonna fucking cut you and you're done um, you know, and that became funny. And then they started over. And then, then, then we got to the idea of them overlapping and that Ur is just punctuating. Instead of just, just following up on Ignok, he's jumping in in the middle of the sentence and just punctuating everything. Yeah, man. You know, and, and, and then he becomes this like hype combination. Yes. Hype yeah. man and, uh, and crony. Yeah. Uh, and and it, again, it that wasn't on the on paper and that was worked out and and uh in that i remember it was like two weeks of this just doesn't man this is boring god why is why is this boring uh and before we've kind of hit on the the recipe there and again i i I say we because it was a collaboration and in those days particularly dave and matt were in the in the room a lot and in the building every day and jay was there and um we had one machine, one editing system that Jay owned. They wouldn't, a Cartoon Network would not allow Adult Swim to have editors 
and did not did not want Adult Swim to have their own editing suite because they had this multi million dollar production facility at Techwood and with editors that were already being paid full time to be there. And and their take was, well, if you're making a show, bring it here. We've got the machines, we've got the people, but their people were there to do on-air promotions and things like that. And we needed our people solid for six or eight weeks. Um, and so Jay owned the machine and they were renting the machine from Jay and he worked during the day and I worked at night. Oh, okay. And we did that for two years. That sounds like not a lot of fun. <laughs> it was very strange. And, and, you know, people say, well, that's paying your dues. No, I was... <laughs> I was 35 years old. I had had five years of dues paying and then five years as a freelancer. Yeah. And, uh, I, you know, I was not a kid, but I was single, um, and, uh, and stayed single for those two years. Really? There was no babes hanging around the, uh, J Wade Edwards edit bay. There was a shockingly small number of babes, uh, anywhere near me for those two years, because when I was awake, it was, while everybody else was at work and doing their <laughs> shopping. Right, right. While, so you worked on, on Space Ghost a bit and then moved to Aqua Teen. Were you like happier to be, to be working on Aqua Teen? Did you prefer working on Aqua Teen more in those early years as compared to Space Ghost? I was not unhappy doing either one. I, I, so I'll put it that way. Um, if they brought back Space Ghost tomorrow, I'd be thrilled because mm. Space Ghost was fun to work on. They're very different uh, working on them. It's, it's the same set of skills, but it's a different story. It's a different storytelling. They're different characters. Um, Space Ghost, you have that added element of the interview that you're playing with. And again, trying to make it feel... I, I, I think there's different philosophies. I wanted it to really feel like they were interacting. I really, mm. really wanted it to feel real. I wanted it to be awkward, but real. Um, I think some editors didn't care whether it felt real or not. They thought it was interesting and funny to just be awkward and feel stilted all the way through. But I really wanted Conan and Space Ghost to be talking to each other as mm -hmm. much as I could in the same way that I wanted to sound like Frylock and Space Ghost or talk or and Frylock and, and Master Shaker talking right. to each other. Right. Um, so that was my challenge. And that's a different challenge with Space Ghost than it is with Aqua Teen. I think the Space Ghost character is funny. It, it, there's a weird thing that kind of happens where these characters take on a, a sort of a, a life of their own in your mind. And I miss characters when I'm not working with them. I missed the Aqua Teens for the few years that we weren't making them. Um, when we started working on the movie, I was like, oh, this is, this is nice. It's like just like being back with people that I know. So I miss Space Ghost uh, in that respect. Um, I love working on Aqua Teen, though, and I loved working on Squids, and I miss those characters. I would say um, I was sorry that they weren't making Space Ghosts anymore, yes, but not because I didn't like mm -hmm. making the things that I was making, mm -hmm. um, if that is the... And I'm not being diplomatic. That's just the truth. I just, right. they're, they're fun. They're all fun to work with, mm -hmm. um, and, and for different reasons. You kind of mentioned... Aqua Teen being, you know, off the air for a few years. What was your kind of reaction to it getting canceled in 2015? I'm pretty pragmatic about stuff. And I kind of, my first reaction is if they don't want to make it, they don't want to make it. I can't 
help that. Um, that's their decision where it's their show. Um, they can do what they want. Um, I knew Dave and Matt were not happy about it. So that made me unhappy. Um, because you want it to be, we're tired of making this. Can we just, let's all stop. You know, yeah. you want that, <laughs> you know, in, in, in a weird way. Um, I ignore the office jibber jabber <laughs> that goes around. I, if people say, well, he just wanted to do this or they just want to do that, or this is or somebody did this and that made somebody mad. I don't really pay attention to that stuff. And half the time when people are talking about, I'm like, wait, who are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Who's this person? <laughs> um, I just don't really focus on that and don't pay attention to it. And I was excited about jumping over to Squids mm-hmm. um, because I like that show too. And I worked on the pilot for Squids too. And so those were, that was a show that I had, you know, a certain affinity for. Um, so I, I just was like, am I still working? Yes. Okay, good. That's, that's great. I mean, yeah, I was bummed that we weren't doing them anymore because I love, again, for the same reason I just outlined, I love those characters. I love the show. It's a funny show. They're funny characters. It's a funny world. I was bummed about that. And it bothered me that Dave and Matt were bothered. Mm-hmm. Um, beyond that, I, you know, the, the rest of that is just like, you know, this is, this is, this is your toy box that you're letting me play with. So I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna bitch about it. Um, so I guess kind of what was your reaction or do you recall like what you were doing or whatever, when you heard that Aqua Teen was coming back with Aquadonk side pieces and Plantasm? You know, it's funny, actually the Aquadonks, I didn't work on those and we were pretty knee deep in the, what was ended up being the, the kind of final push on, squids mm. and i i'm not even sure i was aware that they were doing those oh until, wow yeah really? I, I don't really know when i knew about those i shouldn't say that because I, but truthfully i just don't know i don't okay. remember when i was aware of them the, okay. the movie that was exciting right um that was exciting you know i started hearing oh they're talking about doing a movie they're talking about doing a movie and the first movie i really didn't do much on they did a rewrite on the first movie and everything I had done was pretty much scrapped um, in the rewrite that uh, we started out the, the first movie I'm talking about. We, um, we had, I guess, four editors and they just broke up the script into four sections and said, here, you take this, you take that, you take this, you take that. And I got the first section and that was the part that was rewritten. There's still a few lines and a few bits of dialogue here and there that were ones I remember like, cutting and and the way i remember is because it plays in your head like a piece of music and because you work on it so much (laughs) that you're that you know what it sounds like and so there's a little bit of my dna in that movie but but um by the time it was done jay had taken it and was really running with it and really really carried that thing uh uh, as far as an editor as as far as the editing is concerned and, and took it uh took it all away um so with this movie because jay um is no longer working with us i knew well this is a good chance for me to get in on the movie um on a movie uh so i was really excited about the the, about plantasm Mm -hmm. uh and then of course the script is hilarious and it was just fun to get back to it and get back to those characters Right. Well, you were you were the lead editor on Plantasm. So how did that kind of come about? Did they tell you from the get go that you would have that position or did it just kind of happen? No, and it really wasn't even a position that we really kind of necessarily delineated it. it we, we started out the same way with this movie as we did with the first movie. They, we, they 
yeah, all the editors got a section of the script um, that we cut uh, the the audio for. Uh, I, and in fact, Jay worked on it for a few weeks, but then he he's had other projects to jump onto. And you know, you you do your you do your passes, your first two or three passes of audio, and then you kind of go back and you keep tinkering and you keep changing and you keep messing with it. And I had my section that I was sort of devoted to for a while, but then um, I started, you know. Dave and Matt would say, Hey, well, let's hand your section off to somebody else to start animating and then, you know, jump onto this section and let's tinker with this a little bit. So then I would start tinkering with that a little bit. And by the time we had gotten, you know, through the first, you know, the, through the radio play, I had probably tinkered with or cut almost the entire movie, you know, tinkered with meaning somebody else did the, for the initial pass. And I'm just going back and tweaking things and making changes here and there and doing Dave's notes, Dave and Matt's notes. Um, but, um, and then we were getting the animatics back and uh, or the, the storyboarding back and we were tinkering with that and making changes and suggesting changes for the animation. And um, it, it kind of got whittled down. You know, we, John Breston and I are the only full-timers at that point. So the other, freelancers would get put off onto other projects or go off and do other things. And so it's in some ways it just got down to just me and jet to me and John. And as the, as the movie wore on, you know, into the, and, you know, toward, toward the end of the year, um, you know, we were just sort of the, the, the last ones left and it became a point where it was like, um, there was like three or four editors working on it. And we were, the notes that we were doing were so like, you'd get like, 20 minutes of a movie of the movie and maybe six notes. Mm -hmm. And at some point it just became uh, where it was just too hard to keep up with everything. If, if we have three editors or four editors working on it. So eventually I just said, let me just, you guys are, you know, we're, we're down to the nitty gritty here and we're tweaking. Let me just take it all because remember we're also, it's COVID. We're also working from home. Mm -hmm. So every time they want to watch the movie, one editor has to get, the pieces of the movie from the other editors and string it together. So at some point I just said, this just, let's just, let me take it all so that it's all in one place. Mm-hmm. I'll do your notes because it's like for an hour movie, there's like 10 notes. Let me do those 10 notes. And, you know, it just makes more sense this way. Um, and I was a senior editor and I had been there the longest and it just kind of made sense for me to, at that point, um, take, you know, take control of the movie and run it the way that Jay had the first movie. Right. Really? Right. right. Um, yeah. There just comes a point where it becomes, um, it, it just becomes too much work to, to keep multiple editors busy on it. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I kind of backed into it to a certain extent. Yeah. I'd like to think that, uh, I was the only man for the job. <laughs> the chosen one. <laughs> yeah. But I was certainly the most logical. Well, something I was interested in, in is like kind of the way that Matt and Dave would pass out episodes to you guys to really like head. So my understanding is, you know, different editors have different strengths. So, you know, Jay might get one script because they think he would do it well and you might get a different script because of that. So Mm -hmm. in your words, kind of what would you say is your editing style? Like what can we expect from a Ned Hastings uh, edited episode of Aqua Teen versus, say, a Jay Edwards episode? Um, honestly, I don't 
I, I well, I, I don't know that I can't I, I can't answer that in the sense of what makes my episodes different from Jay's because I don't really know. I do obviously have a reputation in our small circle as being someone who they like my 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 audio. They like the way I cut dialogue. I don't know what it is that they like because I'm just doing it the way it, it should sound to me based on the script. You're going to hear my attempt to, like I said before, make them sound like they're talking to each other and mm-hmm. reacting to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I do really, really, really love overlapping dialogue. Yeah. I love it. I just, it, it makes me laugh. It, it, if, if someone is talking and somebody else interrupts them, that makes me laugh. Uh, yeah. That's funny to me because it sounds real. And again, it gets back to what I was saying before. The more real that show sounds, the funnier the ridiculous visuals will be in my book. Um, so uh, you're going to hear my attempts to really make them sound like they're really talking to each other and really reacting to each other or in Shake's case, overreacting. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and I mean that that's funny too. Um, and, and, and I, the other trick for me, the other thing that I really work on is that shake because he screams a lot <laughs> can, can get, if you're not careful, it just becomes screaming that you're no longer listening to. Mm-hmm. And so you'll hear me. I mean, I will hear me taking multiple takes so that he's, his screams have some ups and some downs and he changes modes and he might, the intensity is still there of his baseless anger, but he will be half screaming and half going low and getting in your face. And, 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 and I, I do try to kind of to, to do, to mix it up so that it's, it's not just one flavor of, Mm -hmm. of, insane it's you know i want to see if i can get a lot of different flavors in there um so that's that's kind of my that's my short answer for what i like if somebody hears me say that and then they go back and listen says okay now i know what he's talking about Mm -hmm. then maybe that answers your question (laughs) (laughs) yeah well i mean i know you started on regularly on aquatine with old drippy and I, because, de- you know, on my podcast, I literally take an episode of Aqua Teen, I cut it up in a way that makes sense, and then I play mm-hmm. the clip and then I'll talk about it. And after that point, I definitely did notice more people coming in and like talking over each other, like you said. Okay. And to pay respects to you, it's like I was surprised when I first started covering Aqua Teen to learn that the voice actors weren't together mm-hmm. because the, the conversation, uh, the, the dialogue is so conversational. I was like, well, the Plutonians, they have to be in the same room, right? And no, they're not. So it's just like it blew my mind when I first started covering the show to learn that, that you guys uh, didn't record them in the same rooms. Right. Uh, in your opinion, I would love to hear you talk about this. Do you like, How do you think Aqua Teen would have been affected if the voice actors were in a room together? Do you think that would have made the show better, worse? Oh, no, not, not, not better. Um, <laughs> and I, <laughs> that sounds... I don't mean it to sound. I understand what you say or what you mean. Yeah. Because um, the beauty of them being recorded separately is then they can ad lib. Mm-hmm. Um, now, somebody's going to say, well, yeah, but then you can play off of the ad lib. But then it's improv and it's and it's yes anding and it's 
and it's got to go someplace and you've got to be able to, like I was saying before, you've got to be able to keep the ad lib, but also keep the story going. And um, that's a different form of TV. Uh, and, and so um, having them separate allows them to say something off the top of their head. And, and if they say it, but it's slightly out of character, Dave can like, you know, Dana Snyder, that is his voice and it, and, but it's not his everyday voice. You know, it's not his constant speaking voice. So he may, he may read a line, laugh, and then say something under his breath or say something offhanded uh-huh. in his normal voice. And then Dave might be like, say that as Master Shake. Mm-hmm. Well, you're not going to get, I mean, I guess that I shouldn't say it that way. You're, you, you, you can get that in a booth with two people doing it at the same time. Um, you're just going to have to edit it around it. But the problem is if two people are in the booth at the same time or they're separate booths at the same time, you may not get the audio clean enough to be able to use because somebody else is talking because people are going to start talking on top of each other uh, in a way that I don't want them to, or that, that Dave and Matt don't want them to, or that, you know, so um, I, I, I mean, you know, I, I think for our show, the best way to get that dialogue the way we want it is to, to record everybody separately and then tie it together um, and make it, you know, and, and make it sound like they're in the same room. Sure. Um, sure. So yeah, that, that to me is the, the point of that is to just get it clean, get it, mm-hmm. get it usable and then come back later and, and, and put it together. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of voice actors, of course, you've voiced many characters <laughs> on the show throughout the years. Uh, probably most notably as our host, Ned Hastings <laughs> in uh, super trivia. Yeah. And how did that kind of come about? Like, I, 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 know that you didn't ask them to do it but like kind of h- how did that happen uh no i didn't ask them to do it although i'm sure i <laughs> you know i could do that if you want Dave. um uh and actually truthfully i was uh because here's another thing that we do sometimes um particularly if it's a, a guest well obviously if it's a guest character we will sometimes cut our first pass of audio with a um a scratch track mm-hmm. what we call whereas and and dave does them a lot where <clears throat> he'll just read it himself and then we can use it to, for timing. And then when we get the real voice, we come back in later. So old drippy, I was the voice of old drippy for oh wow months and months sure. of that process to the point where I was like, we're getting close to the end of this. Am I going to be old drippy? And, and it was kind of like in the baseball when they say, you know, don't talk about a no hitter. Like I didn't want to ask anybody cause I didn't want to like, call it to their attention that that's yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and meanwhile, they're going and getting an Oscar-nominated director. Yeah, they got Todd Field. They're like, yeah. sorry, buddy. <laughs> sorry, Ned. <laughs> yeah. You're out of here. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say right now, I did not feel bad about being replaced by Todd Field. <laughs> He's a good one to be replaced by. I actually had a, have a buddy who used to host a, a weekly trivia night, and he asked me to fill in for him one time. And I made the mistake of telling Dave and Dave came in with his wife and who I adore. And uh, he came up with some just spectacularly long and embarrassing team name uh-huh. just, just to make me say it. Um, <laughs> and uh, and I, I was terrible at being a trivia host because it, uh, I'm terrible. I was terrible at the scorekeeping part of it. And it was a, it was a nightmare actually that night. But, you know, I, I tried to, you know, do my best, in, you know, 
speaker voice and mm-hmm. read the question in an interesting way. Yeah. And uh, anyway, so next thing I know, uh, you know, a week or so later, Dave came in with that script and, uh, and asked, and, you know, I was there as the host and, and knowing full well that it's kind of the, the reason I was the host in the, in the, in the episode is because those that's I, 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 my attempt to be a good trivia host just made me sound like every dorky <laughs> trivia host in the world. And I knew full well that, yeah. you know, this was my payback for trying so hard to be good at being a trivia. I, I shouldn't put it that way, but no, I mean, I, I have no, no, uh, 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 illusions that i was a, a dumb trivia host and so the perfect choice to be a <laughs> trivia host uh yeah well i mean of course in that episode we have uh seth mcfarlane as as the guest in that one you know he saying says your my, name he yes. says my name yes and of course at the time he wasn't the seth mcfarlane he is now because family guy just got canceled and things like that but yeah. i mean that's still I incredibly exciting right I yeah I, w- I would expect most people probably wouldn't at that i didn't point. know who he was at all i i didn't know the name i didn't i had not watched. i think i had tried to watch family guy and just didn't get into it maybe and so anyway yeah i didn't know who he was um sure, and sure. and now I, I think it's really cool that he was in it and that that was him and and that he says my name on television yeah that's crazy so so with episodes like grim reaper gutters or right. boost mobile with those episodes was it intended for you to voice your characters in those episodes or were those like scratch tracks that you grim guys- reaper i don't know what they had in mind but that was one where i did the scratch track and I just kind of did a dumb voice and I think they just thought it was funny. And, you know, it's however many lines, eight lines or something like that. And then of course they, but they did put a, an effect on it. Yeah. Yeah. They <laughs> so you, you can't tell that it's me. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know. That's why they did the effect, but that's the, the uh, uh, outcome. And then <laughs> boost mobile. I honestly, I don't know how they decided i that one, I do feel like they said, hey, you're going to do this voice or uh, or do the scratch track. And if we like it, we'll just keep it. And that makes me laugh because the uh, Boost Mobile, my memory of that, by the way, is that I remember early on in the show, the marketing, when the show started sort of taking off and becoming something. And like by season three, they were starting to get pitches from our marketing people. You know, hey, we just got a call from... 7-Eleven, they want to do <laughs> they want to do something with the slushies and the teens. And and I remember Dave literally saying, t- telling the story about whatever this pitch was and being like, have you ever seen our show? <laughs> do you realize how just like anathema that is to what we do yeah. and how silly and like, yeah. but then I think they came around to the idea of, of doing something. And what I, always makes me laugh about that show is that that episode is it's 15 minutes of just trashing Booze Mobile. <laughs> yes. And just absolutely, and which kind of Space Ghost was a little bit of that too, mm-hmm. the way we took people out of out of context. And, and, and people were in on the joke and knew that if they were on Space Ghost, that was what was going to happen. Uh, right. Most people, I think. And so I'm, I'm sure the Booze Mobile people were perfectly happy for that. You know, I always liken it to to like going to a back when Don Rickles was the insult comic of the you know, and people would sit in the front row hoping to get picked on, and and I feel like that's what happened there. But then for you know, and they pay and they they paid for that privilege, 
Um, and then I guess, I don't know how the ax thing happened, but you know, then I think ax was like, Hey, we want in on this too. And I feel like in a way they're, they're way to, you know, they spend, they spend 15 minutes needling boost mobile. And then the way to get ax needled was to just make me the voice. <laughs> yeah. We're going to get this editor and we're not yeah. even going to pay him much. And <laughs> he's just going to say a couple of dumb lines, like an asshole. And <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Axe. Here you go. Here's your big moment in the song. Uh, I, I shouldn't say all that. I mean, I, I don't know that any of that's true, but that's, that's the, to me, it's funny that I'm the voice of that character because yeah, I'm just, yeah. you know. Yeah. Y- yeah. And it's so it's so nonchalant. He just rolls in and he's like, hey, guys. <laughs> Where are the ladies at? I think, he's, I think that's one of the lines. Uh, I really love the Grim Reaper Gutters character. That cutter, that character does make me laugh. I'm, that that one is the one I kind of allow myself to be proud of because he's just so dumb. Yeah, he won't leave till he makes a sale or kills you. Yeah, one of the two. And Tara Patrick is into me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she wants to party with Grim Reaper. Exactly. And then there was one like uh, uh, for knifing around. I think they came up with the idea of having uh, Moltar come in and interview Conan after they had already recorded clay as Moltar. So I think I scratched in that and I played it like it was a game show host. Hey, <laughs> and, um, and they didn't use, end up using me, but um, Pete Smith heard it and thought it was funny, mm-hmm. a funny voice. And then he had me play a character for um, uh, an episode of Brack doing that voice. So I was oh, getting okay. Drake Gainway. <laughs> and he just thought it was a funny voice and and it, and it turned out to uh like i got so much respect for voice actors in that moment because i realized it's like doing a goofy voice for like five words is totally different from getting a script and having to do that goofy voice and read the gettysburg address mm-hmm. you know or, mm-hmm. and 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 be like uh i can't i can't do it i can't i can't say that word in this voice or that right kind of, right right uh and so i've always been proud that i did that voice but wishing i could do it again or do it better or or you know well you know what ned i have some fan questions here for you listener carson wants to know basically what the differences that you felt were working between aqua teen hunger force squid billies and your pretty face kind of like what were the the differences for you between those three shows squids had a different pace from aqua teen um i still was overlapping their dialogue but it wasn't so they weren't on top of each other the way the aqua teens were i think i remember cutting an episode and i had just cut up cut them off of an aqua teen episode and i was cutting it and i was like this doesn't sound right and i realized it was because i had them all talking on top of each other too quickly they're characters that just don't react as quickly as the Aqua Teen characters, if that makes sense. So it's a it's a looser pace. So from a editing standpoint, um, that was it, it's a different approach uh, and a different sound. Your pretty face, I really did not work on very much, um, but it's you know it's live action, so it's it's really a diff- a lot of different uh, skills, a lot of different approaches, and and. Um, I worked, I really did not work on it much. I know the one episode I remember working on, you know, I was, I was, again, I I wanted some, I wanted that pacing and I wanted the dialogue to play and I was still listening for it to, 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 to to play the way I wanted it to play. But you're also in service of the video and it's got to make 
sense video wise. Uh, so it's a different, it's a lot trickier to me um, because you're, you're not, you're not just cutting your audio that exactly the way you want it and playing God and then just making the video make sense with it. This, this is, this is a, a package, you know, they're getting multiple takes of the camera and they've got, they got two cameras going at one time. So you can kind of cut around enough to cut your dialogue the way you want it, but there's still rules of video that, that, you know, you can't break and, you know, you've got to make the video make sense too. So mm. um, it's a different uh, skill set, And um, I, I would like to say that I would like to think I did a pretty good job of what I did, but I never did enough to really get good at it. Um, uh, so that's, that's my, my short answer. <laughs> Uh, listener Swim Wiki would like to know if there were any other Adult Swim shows that you wished that you got to work on but did not get the opportunity to. Hmm. Um, not really. Not that I can think of off the top of my head. I did get to work on Brack some. That was a fun show. I worked on Sea Lab, uh, and that was a fun show. In fact, I'm really proud of. I did several Sea Lab episodes, but the one that I'm most proud of is it's the one where they, uh, where the power goes off at C lab and everything, you know, they had that establishing shot of the, of the lab mm-hmm. and it starts with that. And then boom, the power goes off and it goes dark and the camera just sits on the outside and you hear them talking inside. So it's very audio driven. Mm. And I, I cut at least the first, maybe two passes of that. I, maybe just one. I don't, I don't remember. Um, and again, I'm sure they tweaked it. I'm sure they made changes. But when I hear that episode, I can still hear what I did. Because again, like I said, you, me- you remember. Um, so I'm really proud of that episode. Because if it doesn't work, it, it doesn't work because the audio didn't work. Right, you know? right. And, um, and, and it, besides the fact that I feel like I have a reputation for cutting good audio, um, even if I didn't, I would want to rise to that challenge of having audio be good. So I'm proud of that episode. So I, I think I'm more, it's the question of like being proud of what I have done and not thinking about, Oh, I wish I had done that. Um, I mean, I think I worked on just about every show that was done in house. I don't think I cut, I didn't cut anything on perfect hair. I did a voice for perfect hair, but I didn't get to cut it. And um, I, I, I don't know if I could have, that was a, it, <laughs> I knew this. I could not have cut twelve ounce mouse. Really? Yeah. That that what John did with that show, and and I say John because there, I know there were other editors, but John really just took ownership in my mind. That's just me, my opinion. I, what he did there is just so spectacular and so great, and he and Malero worked together so well. I mean, I, I'm sure I probably could have, but you know that was a show that was animated in the editing system there was there they didn't take that to an animation house and to to do it and make it look beautiful and make it funnier and and they you know, john did all that he did all the mouth movements all the eye movements. so i'm in awe of that show because i think it's also an ext- just an incredibly brilliant show um so I, I i wish i could say i worked on it so that i could say look how good i am but I didn't, <laughs> so I can't, and I'm right. probably happy that I never got the chance. Because well, you got to do a voice on it at least. I did. I did finally get to get it. I did. I did get yeah. it. Yeah. And uh, and in fact, I did two voices because um, they couldn't get Adam Reed back to play Shark. So I played right. Shark, uh, right. which was kind of fun too because I've known Adam for a really long time. It was funny to replace him. 
or to attempt to. <laughs> so here is my uh, my fan question for you, okay? I've always considered yourself, Jay Edwards, Dave Willis, and Matt Malero to be the Fab Four of Aqua Teen. <laughs> I was hoping to the best of your abilities, if you could explain which Beatle you might be. Oh, I'm Ringo for sure. You're Ringo? Okay. No doubt. Why is if, that? It, if only because I I I was the third I was the fourth one to come in. Okay. Um, um, because like I said, the, by the time I came back, Jay had, had, you know, created something really fantastic. And, um, uh, and, and I say Jay, because Jay and I do the same thing. Obviously Dave and Matt created this entire endeavor, but from an editing standpoint, from, uh, you know, establishing certain rules of editing and, um, and and certain rules of how these characters work and how they interact and how their voices work. Jay had done a lot of that already with the help with with input from David Matt. So yeah, I was coming into a a pre-designed form. So I think I'm the I think I'm the Ringo there, um, in that respect. Yeah, and I like Ringo. Ringo's great. Yeah, no, yeah, Ringo's great. And, and let's put it this way: if if it were if somebody could honestly say that we, you know. This is such a, this whole idea is like, okay, I can't honestly say any of this is true. Uh, <laughs> if it were true, if that was a real thing, I would be happy to be the Ringo uh, in, in this situation. Um, there's so many, there's so many people that have done so much work on this show. Well, I mean, well, I wasn't Ringo the one that cut all the dialogue in the, in the Beatles too and he made did, sure yes, that the, yes. there was, you know, overlap in the dialogue. So it kind of makes sense there. <laughs> So you might say yeah, that. Uh, yeah. I, I, I can't, cl- I can't claim to be, you know, the, um, the, the glue uh, that Ringo was. So I shouldn't, I should, I don't lay claim to that. But I, but there is a, there is a correlation there. I feel like in terms of uh, coming into something that, that was uh, already really a well built uh, machine, and just kind of coming in and saying, well, I can, I think I can help you with this, and and I think I can, I think I can jump in here and and make it make some things good and, and better and, and, and contribute is probably the word I'm looking for. Well, uh, you know, you, you were the glue of plantasm. It sounded like you, uh, glued everyone's pieces together. <laughs> I, and... I definitely stuck myself <laughs> <laughs> in a lot of places there. Um, yeah, plantasm. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was, it got kind of hairy there toward the end. And, and, you know, one thing about Dave and Matt, and it's just so true is, they put so much for something that they put so much energy into and so much time and so much effort and so much of their personalities into this show. They, um, they're not super precious about it and they're, they're anxious for people to help them. And if you can help, they will let you and they, and, and they, and they, they just want it to be good and they don't care who helped them make it good. And that sounds like a, easy thing but man so many people just cannot get out of their own way mm-hmm. and 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 they're those guys are so great at that and i've always been in awe of that and um i hope they're not listening because i don't want them to know all this that, that it's really <laughs> true i mean god man especially when it got popular and got to be a a thing they could have easily then said well you know this is us, this is our show. And, you know, this is the way we want it. They're just so good at letting people just be good at what they do and, and, or 
try to be good at what they do. And, and they're so ready for the, for the show to be um, a collaboration. And that's so nice. It's so it's, it's so helpful. And, and, you know, by the time we got done with Plantasm, I really, really did feel like I had really gotten my DNA into that thing. And, and I couldn't have, if they wouldn't just let me, you know, and the way to do that is to just keep it compartmentalized and to keep, you know, to have as many people contributing as possible. So that way nobody gets their, you know, gets too much of their DNA in there. And it becomes this like, you know, this pie where the two biggest pieces are Dave and Matt and everybody else is just kind of contributing a little bit, but they're so good at letting other people just collaborate with them and not just pitch in but to really, really collaborate and to kind of get their own ideas in. And, and um, even if that idea is just, this is, this is funny. And that's, you know, these are two funny things. And I like this funny thing. Um, you know, uh, just, they're so good at that. And that's, that's great. Right. And I think, I think it really just contributes to what makes that show so great is that they care more about ideas than who made it, than if it's their thing or not. Because right. so many times, like, on one of the DVDs, we get a bunch of scripts from the episodes and we mm -hmm. see the script. But of course, the script is not like the final episode. So mm -hmm. I'll go through and, and point that out to the listener. Like, all right, so on the page, you know, Master Shake was supposed to do this, but really he did this. And it's just so fun, you know, to know that they were just messing around with it. They probably let Dana do some stuff. And then mm -hmm. when it came to editing, you know, you decided what should have been included. And it's just such a collaborative process that... Uh, it, it just made the episodes better. And, and sometimes that does, sometimes that does come down to me saying, look, you wrote this, but Dana said this. And I think that's funnier. Mm -hmm. um, and, and obviously me putting the Dana cut in there and then playing it back for them is a tacit way of saying that. But sometimes that does happen. Sometimes they're literally like, I don't know. What do you think? I'm like, I'm like, what you wrote there tells the story. What he said there tells the story and is funny, you know, and, and they're always going to go for the funny. And sometimes it's me saying it out loud. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's me putting in my tacit two cents by putting in a piece. And they're like, you know what? I like that, but we need it as written or I like it better as written or he said it better. And it's the way it was written. And, yeah, that's the mm -hmm. back and forth. Um, and uh, so it's but again, it's it, there's it's it's never. Well, don't put that in there because he wants that in there and that's not the way we wrote it. They're never going to do that. That you know, like, and some guys would, some, some people would say, I wrote this, this is the way it's going to be. That's the way it's got to be. And Dave and Matt would never, never do that. Uh, I can never imagine them doing that unless they just literally thought that was better, you know, and that's fine. That's, that's okay. You know um, I'm here for them, you know, in a way. So it's like, if that's the way they want it, that's the way it is. But Thanks for giving me the chance to try it, you know, and, and, and see. And, and sometimes, honestly, sometimes it's different because, you know, they cut a page of dialogue that comes after a line. And so it's like, well, now we've cut out C and we got to get from B to D. What's going to get us there? And it's like, well, if he just says this, then then that'll jump to the next thing and we can bypass all of this other stuff. And, you know, sometimes there's sort of real kind of hard nut and bolt way reasons for doing things. And, but you always want to do it the best way. You know, you, you, there's never a line in there that only gets us to, to the next thing. It's always the line that gets us the next thing in the best possible way, the funniest possible way, or the, you know, the silliest possible way or, you know, whatever. All right, Ned, I just have some uh, questions about some of your favorite things. 
as as we uh, wrap up here. So first of all, uh, what is your favorite film? Hmm. I've always loved, always loved the movie Amadeus. Mm. I know. <laughs> that was an answer that meant pe- something to people <laughs> 20 years ago. <laughs> well, I, I've seen the play, but I don't think I've seen the film. Uh, yeah, no, it's a fascinating film. And I've seen the play, too, and they're totally different. But written by the same guy. He adapted his own play oh, into a film. Okay. And it's um, it's a much more uh, um, direct, straightforward sort of form of narrative. Um you know, that movie is not history. Mm-hmm. It's not true. Right. It didn't right, happen. Right. But it is a myth. It's a legend. In fact, I, I remember when that movie came out, I was dating a girl whose dad was German. And uh, and um, she said something about, yeah, there's we're going to go see this movie, Amadeus. And her dad says, you know, he killed him, right? <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah, because her dad sounded like Max von Sydow. Um, <laughs> it, that was, they think that. People, that's like a legend. It's like an urban myth mm-hmm. in, in Germany that he was killed by a jealous composer. Um, uh, but I think it's a fascinating movie. I, I love the music, which of course, way to go out on a limb. There. <laughs> really? Love, really? Whoa, no. Really? Maybe I should try this. How is it pronounced? Um, yeah, no, the music's gorgeous. The cinematography is beautiful. Uh, Milos Forman is a fantastic director. It's insanely well acted, but it's also a movie about the create or a story about the creative process, which I think appeals to me. Um, so I love that movie. I really do. I, I loved it the minute it came out. Um, uh, I love Citizen Kane and I know that's a dumb answer, but it's a beautiful, you're platforming some real indie, uh, indie stuff. I know I'm going deep, right? I'm taking (laughs) the deep cuts. Um, I love Wes Anderson. All of it. Coen brothers. Love it all. What about TV show? Do you have a favorite show? You know what? Right now, I'm not watching anything. Everybody says, what are you watching right now? I'm like, I'm literally nothing. Like, I turn the TV on for the dogs, and it's just usually just garbage, and I don't pay attention. I loved uh, I loved Breaking Bad. I thought it was fantastic. I loved The Wire. I thought it was fantastic. And I know none of these are new, but that's kind of like, sometimes I don't catch up to them until later. And that's, you know, kind of normal, too. Uh, Mandalorian, I thought was freaking cool as hell. Comedies, there's, you know... I love Parks and Rec. I think it's fantastic. I never got into The Office though. I just, but I, but I love Parks and Rec. And I'll, you know, The Office is on twenty four hours a day on Comedy Central, and I will turn it on and I'll watch it. And I'm like, I don't know, I don't know what it is. <laughs> sure, yeah. I love Thirty Rock though. I thought Thirty Rock was just brilliant, really, really brilliant. And I do still, I do watch a lot of rerun TV, and I still will revisit shows that were on when I was a kid. So like, I still think the Mary Tyler Moore show is brilliant. I think the Bob Newhart show is brilliant. Um, so, you know, I'm kind of, I'm probably the wrong person to ask that question to, because I really just don't keep up. Right. I mean, when your job is, you know, editing television shows, I'm sure one of the last things you want to (laughs) do later is watch TV. (laughs) Right. Or if I do, what's funny is my wife is a lawyer and she does family law. So she deals with people that are going through the worst thing that they ever went through. And so she comes home and just watches the most, you know, I wouldn't say it's mindless, but she doesn't want to be challenged. In I understand. Necessarily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She actually watches a lot of legal shows, which I find fascinating in, endlessly because I will watch them and be like, honey, that's not right, is it? She's yeah. Like, no, I don't care. Yeah. My, my wife is a nurse and it's the same thing. She likes watching medical shows. Even though she knows that they're ridiculous, yeah, right? Yeah. What about a favorite band? Uh, well, actually, the Beatles is my all-time favorite everything. Oh, I just don't 
Again, my, my answers are boring. Um, uh, and um, so I do really, 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 really love them. And I've been listening, like I said, I've been listening to this podcast. And I'm just going to go ahead and put in a pitch for it. And I'll tell everybody who listens, if you keep this, it's called A History of Rock and 500 Songs. Okay. And this guy's British. And he set out to tell his, ver- you know, his A history of rock and pick a song a week. Uh, I was, it was, yeah, it was going to be a song a week for 500 songs. So he set out saying, this is going to take me 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. 500 songs. (laughs) Yeah. And then around year two, it became every other week. Oh, there you go. Because as the episodes, as he got farther into history, there was more and more information about the song or about the band. And, you know, if it's a, if it's a song that's like kind of a one hit wonder, he will give you the whole history of that band. He will start, you know, and then get to the song and then go and sometimes go from there and say, after this, this happened. So they can get pretty involved. And some episodes are two, three, four hours long even. So it's an undertaking, but it's fantastic. And that has been my music for the last like year or so, because it's like I'm listening to these bands that he's talking about and I'll go on Apple and I'll download the song and then I'll find another one and another one. So I've been kind of all over the place, and I'm just, we're we're mired in 1968 right now. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so um, that's 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 my music these days. What about an album? Do you have a favorite album? I'm also a big. I listen to a lot of jazz. Oh, okay. But I'm but obviously I shouldn't say obviously. I don't listen to new jazz. Uh, there, I mean, there are some artists that are you know doing kind of traditional jazz that I think are great. But I listen to a lot of Miles Davis. I listen to Dave Brubeck, Vince Guaraldi, people like that. And that is kind of, if I have music on, that's what I put on. Sure. It sounds weird. There's something about the dialogue of jazz that I like, the interaction of the mm. music, of the instruments. And um, I used to years and years and years and years ago play a horn. And so um, I think I kind of feel like I have a little bit of a entry point mm. there. Mm. So uh, yeah, mo- if most, most editors you will find are also instrumentalists it's all about the timing yeah it makes sense or have been yeah 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 Yeah, in fact i i I was on a panel with a guy who's a guy named uh, tom roach who used to do the um he was our online editor for space coast he's a very very good editor and um somebody said you know what's the first thing you say to an editor when you meet like if you get a kid that comes in and wants to be an editor and he's like the first thing i ask him is what instrument do you play Mm. it just does seem to be something that yeah and and everybody really, I mean, uh, Dave and Matt are both musicians, and so is Jim Fortier at Squidbillies, and um, uh, and good musicians, like really good musicians. And I think there's just it's part of the whole creative impulse. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, my desert island discs tend to be things like Miles Davis, Kind of Blue, and. (laughs) 
a Charlie Brown Christmas, believe it or not, because that's just great freaking jazz. What is your favorite game? That could be a sport, a video game, a card game, whatever your favorite game is. I, I'm not... I grew up in a sports house. My my dad played college football. My brother played college football. My mother loves football. And so by the time I graduated high school, I was sick of sports. And I know that sounds weird, but I was just kind of like, God, this is all you people watch. Um, I do love baseball. I live in Atlanta. So I do love, I do like baseball. That's my sport that I like to watch. Um, uh, the dogs hate it when I yell at the TV, which I do. Uh, so that's that I, I've never been a bit, I've never been a big video game guy. Okay. Yeah. I never, I really like, and they, they, you know, became a thing when I was a kid and I just never got, we never had a console. And so I just never really, really got into it. The only time I got into it was when we had the Aqua Teen game. Really? Yeah. Because what did it come out on PS2, yeah, I guess? PS2. And so I got a PS2 because I was like, I, I was like, I want to be able to play this game when it comes out. Yeah. And, and so then I did kind of get into like, you know, some of the first person stuff. And okay. Like, but it was almost, you know, it was usually just like a Batman game or a James Bond sure, game or, sure, you know, sure. something like that. I didn't get into like the real gamey, gamey, gamey stuff. And then uh, I don't think I ever played the Aqua Team game when it came out. Oh. <laughs> um, which is funny. But I did make that, I did work on the cutscenes for, for them. Yeah, for right. Yeah. Yeah. And then. The last question here, uh, what is your favorite fast food joint since you work on this silly talking food product show? <laughs> That's really funny. I'm Honestly, I cannot remember the last time I had fast food. Um, I will say this, and I'll put it in, I'll put it very carefully. I love used to love the food at Chick-fil-A, but I don't eat at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> <laughs> and i may not love the food anymore because it's been so long since i have been right. to chick-fil-a right um so <laughs> i really did i i that was that one hurt <laughs> ned hastings what a guy what a legend again you could find him on instagram and twitter links to those in the description there's just so much that we got into here. I can't even comment on all of it. But a few of the highlights here that I do want to mention are, first of all, I love that Ned mentioned the chair in the Aqua Teens living room, and he made some sort of comment on how nobody probably notices it. But of course, if you're a longtime listener of the podcast, that's like a third of what this podcast is about, is where the chair is at certain moments. So I love that he brought that up and kind of the process that they went through of realizing, oh... We can just delete the chair if we don't need it in a scene or, or something like that. So, of course, always love taking a peek at where that chair is. And I love hearing Ned mention it as well. I want to mention that Donnie and Marie Space Ghost interview. It's really funny. Of course, I played you some clips, but there's a link in the description if you want to watch the whole thing. Truthfully, it's way better than it should have been, I think, than it has any business being Donnie and Marie. Like Ned said, they were just on it. He wasn't hyping them up. It's true that they did a great job with that Space Ghost interview. It's so silly, and I can't believe how great that that turned out. So definitely give that a watch. It's really worth your time. Another thing that I loved hearing Ned talk about was kind of the musicality of Aqua Teen and how much emphasis he really put on editing the dialogue and just getting it to flow. This is something that I think Aqua Teen does better than most shows I hear. It's not just characters talking at each other. Like Ned says, you have characters cutting each other off, 
talking over each other. While sometimes that makes cutting up clips for this podcast difficult, as a viewer of the show, I really appreciate it. It just makes it feel so much more real. And like I said to him, I, I was shocked to learn that the guys didn't record together. I always kind of assumed that they did, even though I, I had seen some clips of them recording the show growing up when I was a kid. But when I jumped in to start this podcast, I just couldn't believe that everyone recorded by themselves. It's just crazy to me, and I think really shows the brilliance of the editors on this show that they could make that really not seem like it was the case. And the last thing I really want to mention here is how Ned made a comment that he missed the Aqua Teens while he wasn't working on the show. Of course, you know, they're not real people, they're just characters on a show, but when you spend time listening to these voices and, and just spending time with these characters in their world, and I can relate to that a lot, having started this podcast and getting to spend so much time with these characters again, characters I hadn't spent this much quality time with since I was a kid, I totally can relate to what Ned was saying about that, and I think it's great that he is just so caring of these characters, and of course, that shows in his work and just the brilliant work that he's done on the show. So that's it for this episode. Thank you so much, of course, to Ned Hastings for being so generous with his time. This is actually the longest conversation I had. We talked for about three hours, and we recorded some other stuff I'll use for other episodes, so you'll hear it eventually. But Ned, as always, as all the Aqua Teen guys are, he was just so much fun to talk to, and I could have talked to him for another three hours. In fact, don't be surprised if this isn't the only time that he shows up on the podcast. So thank you again to Ned. Thank you for listening to this. If you didn't listen, then there'd be no reason for this conversation to have taken place. And thank you to everyone who supports this podcast over at patreon.com slash dancing is forbidden. All of the moon masters over there, you are all amazing. And of course, some shout outs to our individual moon masters. Usually I, I get our guests to shout these out, but Ned, I mean, like I said, we talked for three hours. I had to let him go at a certain point, but next time I talk to him, I'll be sure to get some shout outs from our host. Ned Hastings. But until then, thank you to our Highlander Nick. There can be only one! There's only one appearance of Space Ghost on Donnie and Marie, just like there's only one Nick. And of course, shout out to our number one in the Hood G tier patrons Sean, Ian, Captain Buford, Robison, Jason, Carl, Leche Raton69, Empower706, SwimWiki, Carson, and Lurvenator. You guys can hang out with me in the Babeless Edit Bay any day of the week. I'll see you next week. Till then, keep it cool, take it easy. Bye bye. There's a shockingly small number of babes uh, anywhere near me for those two years because when I was awake, it was while everybody else was at work and doing their <laughs> shopping. Right, uh, right. And yeah, um, I slept through 9-11 because I had worked until 4 a.m. the night before mm -hmm. and uh, woke up the next day and my radio was playing news instead of music. I'm like, mm. why are they talking? What time is it? What's and then and then and then literally I called my 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 friend. And I was just like, what is going on? <laughs> what did I sleep through? Yeah. And I turned on the TV in time to see 
one of the buildings collapse. And I still don't know to this day whether I saw it live or whether it was a replay that they were saying, here it is again. Because, mm-hmm. of course, they replayed it, you know, ad nauseum. Right, 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 right. Uh, anyway, that, so I know that's what the fun you wanted to get to. Today. Yeah, now I was hoping you'd bring that up. <laughs> my, my, well, I hope I made it fun. 